For the last four weeks, we have been working through Jesus' teaching concerning the culmination of his earthly ministry. This would be what he would experience in the future from the perspective of his teachings, in this case, in the Gospel of Mark. His trial has ended. His crucifixion has been carried out. His body has been buried. Now Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. Some wonder, did it really happen? Was Christ actually raised from the dead? I want to tell you that the resurrection is real. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, the alive, the living Christ, is real. All the prophecy about Jesus, and by Jesus for that matter, it all came to pass. Remember the teachings of Jesus Christ back to Mark chapter 9, verse 31. Again, for He was teaching His disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days, he will rise. So we have walked through the Scriptures as they led us through the false accusations made by the Jewish leaders concerning the Christ. We know early on that these Jewish leaders, that they had a vendetta against Jesus. And the result was they wanted to condemn him to death. Jesus was not out looking for an execution. How many people you know want to be executed? How many people that you know want to run around and say, can you kill me? Oh, no, Jesus was not out looking for an execution. But that execution, this crucifixion, it had to happen. It needed to happen. And it needed to happen for two reasons. Number one, this might be a shocker to you, especially if you have not walked through this series with us. Reason number one why this execution, that it had to happen was, it was the plan of God. The execution, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, that it was God's plan. Well, that doesn't even make sense. How can suffering be God's plan? Review some of our messages to hear that. But number two, the second reason that this execution had to happen was because it was due to the wickedness of people. People were just dark and uh, they were mean and they were nasty. So that was the second reason. The plan of God, however, focuses on His love for you, me, and for everyone. But the wickedness of people is created through uh, the dark combination of the adversary, uh, a.k.a. the devil. Uh, but also, not only the devil, it has to do with our innate sinfulness. You know what I mean by our innate sinfulness, which is thirsty for pride. Our innate sinfulness is thirsty for status. Our innate Sinfulness desires disobedience. 
It all led to a sham trial in which a Gentile, known as Pilate, knew that these were trumped-up charges and even sought to release Jesus after he gave a judgment. But this was not enough for the Jews. It wasn't enough. Uh, sometimes, for some people, you can do certain things and it will never, ever, as long as you live, be enough to satisfy them. Some people are simply not satisfied until you are unhappy. When you are unhappy and looking unhappy, then, you, uh, then they are happy with your status. Then they're okay. Then they can leave you alone. But next, after they crucified him, they would bury his body. And as we heard last time, that uh, the grave, this is the true test, test of death. We saw this in which the crowd and the people, they witnessed Jesus' death uh, and, and saw his move, the move of his corpse to the tomb. His body was prepared. It was wrapped and it was placed in its proverbial casket and clothes. Why? Because dead man can't walk. But there's a problem with another dead man, however. And by another dead man, I'm not just not talking about Jesus Christ. I'm talking about anyone. There's a problem with anyone being dead, right? Especially when you think in terms of Christianity. Every person on earth makes a claim about being special. Amen? But at the end of the day, you know what happened to all special people, don't you? They all die. You can be all cutesy and, and your mom and your dad can call you. You are the prettiest and the most special baby I've ever seen in my life. But regardless of how special you are, little baby, one day... You're going to die. One day, I'm going to die. It's going to be over with. It's going to be kaput. So there's a problem with yet another dead man, another person who dies. You see, by leaving this story at the grave, it has no more significance than any other religious leader. It has no more a special turn to it than any other self-proclaimed Messiah or any other average Joe or Jane like you and me. Okay? If you can run faster than me, then go ahead and show me and run faster. Right? If you are stronger than I am, well, go ahead and lift up that car with your bare hands and show me that you are stronger than I am. In other words, if you are all of that, then prove it. Prove yourself to me. Anybody can die. They say there are two things that are in life that are guaranteed, taxes and death. And many of you know that great dreaded day. You probably wish you could die before that day comes, right? Anyone can die. The bottom line is everyone does. How then does Jesus become more special than anyone else? Jesus sets the standard which no one else can make regardless of how they meditate. You can say as many alms as you want to. 
but one day it's going to be on, he's dead. Uh, you can uh, put up as many statues on your dashboard or in your house as you want to, but one day that uh, you are going to be dead and those statues are still going to be there or in somebody's fireplace making them warm. Jesus sets a standard that no one else can live up to. Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. Jesus is risen from the dead. Can you say hallelujah? hallelujah? Verse 1. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, uh, bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. The hymn is Jesus Christ. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, you get that? When the sun had risen, you get that? When the sun had risen, not S-O-N, but the S-U-N. When the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. In other words, it was so large that they couldn't even handle it themselves. That's why they needed help. Five. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. Here it is. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they lay him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment had seized them and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. For someone to come alive from the dead is absolutely groundbreaking. Would you not agree? I'm not sure how many of you uh, plan to uh, visit a cemetery and at the same time expect for the dead to come up out of there. And I know that all this talk about crucifixion and death over these last few weeks can be a discussion a bit disconcerting for some of us, right? Uh, we don't like to talk about death. Uh, we don't like to talk about dying. But it is important to understand uh, because the darkness of death is, is something we must come face to face with in reality. Because it is the culmination of our own existence. There is no way out of this life Unless Jesus himself shows up first to grab you. Amen? Lord, no, I wish that was me. I wish Jesus say, okay, uh, from there uh, to here. Come on, David, come on up here. Uh, that's what I wish. But now we see in the text that these ladies, they came to Jesus' tomb here in verse 1 early Sunday morning to put spices and oil on the body of Jesus. 
The women, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Joseph and James, Shalom, had been present the full time while all of these things, Jesus' death and burial, had taken place. So they had watched all these things transpire. And this is noteworthy, especially when we consider that the disciples, who were all men, as a group, they were MIA. All the men were missing in action. The women, though not vociferous, uh, were present and they were looking on. But we also remember that Peter had been around. Remember Peter, the Apostle Peter, amen? He was there. And you remember what happened at the end of, uh, after the cock crowed three times? You remember what happened, what Peter did? The scripture says that this man of God, he did what? He wept. Bitterly. So Peter the Apostle, he cried. Yes, Peter, he, he cried. However, we do remember Joseph of Arimathea who asked for the body of Jesus so that he could bury it. But it was the ladies, the least in society, those who we tried to push off to say, no, 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 you stay here. It was them who had the courage, who had the, the boldness to go to the tomb first. They had gone to the tomb early in the morning on Sunday. They went to anoint Jesus before they finally allowed his body to decay. In their minds, right? In their minds, in our minds, when we leave someone uh, in their burial clothes, in their casket, and in their tomb, we leave them there and we expect them to decay. And then that is that. Death is so final to us. Because we have not personally met anyone that has come back from the grave. It seems so scary. It seems so mysterious. So probably like Joseph and Mary and the other Mary, all we can really do at the death of Jesus is point to the funeral. All that had been said while sounding very cavalier Jesus who says that I am the Messiah. Jesus who said before Abraham was, what did Jesus say? I am. Meaning that he existed before time even came into being. All this saying that I am the good shepherd, right? I am the door, uh, that I am the truth, I am the way. All of this, I am the resurrection, sounds very cavalier. But Jesus, all that you said has come to nothing if you're still laying in the grave. While all the Jewish and Roman leaders were ineffective in stopping Jesus, death again seemed to be true victor overall. So the crucifixion, the death, and the burial, it all occurred on Good Friday and had to get out of the way before the, before the Sabbath arrived, according to Jewish law, as we found in Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 23. But now uh, they look to finish uh, any funeral work that remain undone due to their desire uh, to respectively uh, observe the Sabbath. 
So they wanted to observe the Sabbath. Remember, they were hanging on the cross. Jesus and the two criminals were hanging on the cross. Joseph of Arimathea, he came to take his body down to bury it all before the sun went down because when the sun went down, then the Sabbath began. And according to Deuteronomy, it says, no one should be left out hanging like that. If you're going to hang them, you need to bury them before the Sabbath begins. So they go in Sunday. A young man in a blazing white robe, I call it a blazing white robe, tells them, don't be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. I want you to look at this very carefully. It says, Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. That says what? That that was past tense. But the next part says here, I'm not quite sure because I'm not looking in the original language now, but it says that he has risen. It's one of the reasons I love the ESV. Because uh, this right here is a key to me that tells me this is more than likely what's called the perfected sense. When it says that he has risen, it says that it happened at one particular point in time uh, to continue on into to the future forever in this case. So Jesus has risen. It has happened and he's not going to go back to die again. It says he is not here. See the place where they laid him. This is what this day is all about. The risen Jesus, the alive Jesus, the victorious Jesus. So all the language has now moved from defeat and despair to possibility and great hope. Uh, But could it actually be that Jesus willingly gave himself up to death so he could be able to walk, walk out of this alive? The resurrection of Jesus was not like the resurrection of Lazarus. Remember Lazarus? Lazarus was resurrected to experience death again. So Lazarus came back to life, but ultimately he would end up dying again. Jesus, on the other hand, he was resurrected once and for all. Jesus would never ever see the grave again. Jesus would never ever experience the cross again because once he experienced that, it was once and for all done and over with. So these ladies, they were rightfully terrified. They were stunned. What should they think? What should they do now? But but grasping The resurrection of Jesus or the resurrection of uh, anyone else is no easy task. This is not an easy intellectual thing to get over with in our mind. It is difficult. Remember, Jesus had repeatedly taught them that it was going to happen. In Mark, we have three instances when Jesus told them that he would rise from the dead. He says, it's going to happen, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. He told them. And then look what John chapter 20, verse 9 says. John 20, verse 9. It says, for as yet they did not understand the Scripture 
that he must rise from the dead. They believe he was gone, but their hearts and minds had not caught up with God's word. They believed that he had died, but their hearts and their minds simply had not caught up with God's word. That's why it's always best to believe God first, amen? And then later allow your heart and your mind to catch up with God's word. So you believe God's word first, then allow your heart and your mind to catch up later. Because sometimes these truths of the Word of God, they are too high for us. There are things that I read in Scripture uh, that uh, it's taken me years to finally get that understanding. Years. I always consider myself a baby in that regards. And that's why I study uh, the Word of God uh, so diligently. So always believe God first. Why? Because your heart, because my heart can be deceptive. Believe and obey first. The heart and mind will follow. Did you get that? What do we believe first? We believe God's word first, and then the heart and the mind will follow. Right? And we, we believe it and we walk in obedience, and even if we're not all the way on board, expect to know that God knows what he's talking about. Amen? Here's an example. You say, okay, I, I don't believe you. All right? Scripture tells us, Scripture tells us that uh, don't loan, don't loan, don't co-sign for someone in Proverbs. Right? Scripture says that. Amen? Let's try it again. Some of you don't know Proverbs. Uh, we get a chance to read through Proverbs. I can't remember where it is, but it's there. In Proverbs it says, don't loan money to folks. Right? Don't co-sign on a loan for someone. Someone says, can you please, please, pretty please uh, co-sign on this loan for me? Scripture says, don't you do it. Right? But some folks say that, you know what? I love this person so much. And then what ends up happening? They end up signing on that line. And then, but the problem is, What's going to happen when they can't pay that loan? Where is your love then? Where is the love you say is my, oh my, right? That love all of a sudden turns from the giddiness and the fellowship uh, to attack mode. But you see, if you would have just listened to what the word said in the first place, you wouldn't have never co-signed on a loan in the second place. So, believe what the Word says, right? Because if you don't, you're going to end up messing up your credit and messing up your life. That's all I have to say. Amen? Okay, I, well, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I've had, I've had uh, some very close friends of mine say, hey, hey, Dave, man, you know, uh, uh, I'm good for it, but can you loan me X, Y, and Z? And I had the money in the bank. I could have just given it to him, but it was, I had it there for a reason. I just said, well, no, 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 I can't do it. Well, why not? You know, you, you, you so-and-so, do you think you this, that, and the other? I'm like, no, I'm just not going to do it, right? Because what if something happened to you? I'm already living on the edge, so if something happened to you, then, uh, 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 then I'm done. I'm all the way done, right? I can't cover you and me. I can only cover my household. 
right? So, you know, after about three or four months, uh, he got over it. And, um, and after about a year or so, he lost his job. And I just, said, I just wanted to say to him, thank you, Jesus, but I said it to myself, right? Because I really, honestly, I wanted to help him. I did. I really wanted to help him. But I remember at the time that they asked me, that scripture just came running to my head. And I said, no. And, and they would have been good for it, right? Any other time, they would have been good for it. Right? So what we do, in other words, we believe God's word first and then allow our heart to catch up later. You believe God's word, you obey God's word. So it's not enough just simply just to believe, amen? You have to obey God's word, and then you allow your heart to catch up later. Sooner or later, you will come un under the impression and the understanding, you know what, God knows what he's talking about. God really knows what he's talking about. I don't know why I'm talking about that, but for whoever that's for, there you have it, amen? You may have come just for that word. Some of us listening to his word, we struggle. But we once struggled with this whole truth about the resurrection. You may struggle because there are other options out there which seem viable, but that is not resurrection. Uh, some of the other options, it may be uh, incarnation, right? Uh, re reincarnation in which you are living this life in cycles. Today, you're going to be a person, and maybe in another 10 years, you're going to be a rat, or you're going to be a jackass, or you may end up being a bunny rabbit for Easter. Right? That is not resurrection. To me, that is hell. And some of you, you may struggle with the hypocrisy you have seen in people who call themselves Christians. But that is not resurrection. The resurrection is uniquely a God thing. No other human in history can make the same claim of resurrection as Jesus Christ. Sure, we have heard the stories of people coming back from the dead, uh, even in Scripture. But in all those cases, they live to die again. In order to, for death to be conquered, it must never pose a threat for us again. It should never threaten us by holding our emotions hostage. You should never be afraid of death. If you know Jesus Christ, death should be something that you're not afraid of. Can you say amen? Now, that doesn't mean to go out here and live, live like a fool then, right? I know Jesus, so I'm going to walk right out here on this major street, and I'm going to walk in the middle of the street like nobody cares, and I'm going to be all right. No, Jesus said don't be a fool now. Resurrection means death has lost its battle, and mankind, uh, with mankind because it had lost its battle with Jesus Christ. So only God can knock death out with a single blow with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. But also know that the resurrection can't be commercialized. How do you commercialize the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Because it also belongs to God. Uh, look with me to Acts chapter 17, verse 29. Acts 17, beginning in verse 29. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. 
The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now He commands all people everywhere to repent because He has fixed a day on which He will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom He has appointed. And of this He has given assurance to all by raising Him from the dead. Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. But others said, we will hear you again about this. You can't put cute bunny ears on the idea of the the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'll say it again. You can't put bunny ears on this idea of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. People who don't have discerning hearts can't comprehend the power and the place of Jesus' resurrection. From the misguided attempts to promote Easter, the Easter bunny to the cadre of spring and Easter collections that we find in the stores. Society is befuddled as what to do with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The best that they can figure out what to do is let's just ignore the risen Savior. If you look in uh, today's uh, major newspaper, in the area, you will see an ad taken out by one of the stores that speaks very clearly, very plainly about uh, Jesus Christ being risen from the dead. Uh, most everything else, come by chocolates. What are you doing for Easter brunch? Right? Uh, you have candies for your kids. Right? But here in Acts 17, verse 23, that there was a storefront of deities for the people of Athens. They had various representations of gods and goddesses on display. Uh, so they had something of uh, a god or goddesses hall of fame. Uh, it was a god to this and a god to that, a god to this and a god to that. And then they had one uh, a statue of something said, To the unknown god. So here in Acts 17.32, as Paul was explaining to them about Jesus Christ, they believe that this resurrection, and some of you have heard this message some time ago, was just another name for a woman. Right? So uh, when those Athenian uh, people heard Paul spe- speaking the resurrection, they thought he was talking about this woman named Anastasia. But you do know Anastasia it means resurrection. Uh, so they mocked him and they laughed at him. Uh, and I guess, in, uh, I'm just guessing, in my opinion, it seems in their mind they were trying to figure out how can we commercialize this? There are Anastasias all over the place. So how can even this resurrection lady be any different? How can they market resurrection to the masses? It just didn't make sense to some of them. Oh, how do they market resurrection to the masses today? Death? Burial? Resurrection? What a marketing nightmare. Oh, we get it. An Easter bunny will do the trick. It's small. It's cute. It's cuddly. Doesn't seem to harm a hair on anyone's head. Well, do people go out and buy bunny rabbits or what? Making them into chocolate will do the trick. It's tasty. It's sweet, and it's wonderful. Listen to this, this ad that I saw rolling uh, on uh, television. Last week there was this ad for this uh, golden bunny for Easter. 
and it was the bunny rabbit was wrapped in foil. I'm like, okay, all right, what does the bunny rabbit have to do with Easter again? Here we go again. So I decided to look them up and, and find out about this bunny rabbit wrapped in gold paper. And I quote from their website. Here it is. Many years ago, a master cho chocolatier watched his little daughter mesmerized by a bunny. She burst into tears as it hopped away. So the master cho chocolatier, moved by his child, created and crafted the original milk chocolate gold bunny. One, unable to hop away. I had, to, I had to think about that for a second. So you wrap the bunny rabbit in gold paper to make sure he can't walk away. Does that mean that the bunny rabbit was wrapped in, in grave clothes? Wrapped in golden foil with a red ribbon, this worldwide symbol of Easter continues to delight everyone's inner child. What about uh, Easter representing if you don't know Jesus, you're going to hell? What about how they brutally crucified Jesus on the cross before he was risen from the dead? How do the bunny rabbit hop into people's lives? Well, part of it has to do with, uh, has to do with the secular history. Easter, is not, Easter itself is not a Christian thing originally. It had to do with some secular holiday in which they had all types of things going on. And oftentimes it wasn't just, uh, in, in some cultures, it wasn't just a bunny rabbit. It was also foxes or birds. But none of those make the grave. You see, the resurrection again, it belongs solely to God. Easter eggs produced by an Easter bunny that don't lay eggs don't work. A new dress or a new suit will not be the appropriate sacrifice and it will not appease God. Jesus Christ our risen Savior, He alone is all sufficient. Well, the resurrection is coming for you. Can you say amen? amen? Some of you may not want to say amen after I read what I'm about to read, but the resurrection is coming for you. Everyone in here know that you are going to be resurrected. Watch it before you, watch it before you clap. John chapter 5, verse 28. John chapter 5, verse 28 and 29. I'm almost done. Jesus says, this is not me. Jesus says, right? And if you have a Bible that's in the red, you'll see in the red that is Jesus. If you don't, sit next to a Christian. Verse 28, Jesus says, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs, can you say all? Who are in the tombs will hear his voice and do what? Huh. Well, well, wait a minute, I'm confused. What does all mean? Huh. Verse 29, and come out. And so everybody that has, but wait a minute. But what about the people that have been cremated? Let's see. 
God who created Adam with the words of his mouth, can he possibly put back together anyone that has been cremated? Jesus says, everybody. It doesn't matter whether you blew their ashes in the park, whether you took them to Lake Michigan and went on a cruise and blew them out there in that water, whether you poured them down the sink, or whether they're still in there, it doesn't make a difference. It said, all will come out. Verse 29, those who have done good to the resurrection of life, okay, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Now, don't get it twisted, right? That's what my wife would tell me sometimes. Don't get it twisted. So I tell you, don't get it twisted. Jesus is not talking about, well, I helped this old lady across the street, right? And so therefore, that qualifies you for heaven. Or, you know what, I end up stealing uh, my, uh, my fellow student's ink pen and I didn't return, and I never said anything, so I did something bad, so I'm going to hell. It has nothing to do with it. It has to do with having trust in Jesus Christ. So the goodness in you will be the Christ in you. Now, the reason that you go to heaven is because of the Spirit of God that's inside of you. So those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of, what's the word? Judgment. So your presence has been requested at an upcoming resurrection event. That's right. Everyone in here will have a chance to experience resurrection for themselves. But the question is, as Job asked, if a person dies, will he live again? So from the beginning, people have been asking this question. So even before the time of Abraham, Job had the same question in mind. It plagues most people unless they are in denial or they suppress the truth. You don't believe in the resurrection, that's because you don't want to. You don't want to look at the truth of the Word of God. What Jesus accomplished was only the first fruit of a bigger wave that happens later. But know that everybody's resurrection will not be equal. Resurrection also tells us there will be a resurrection for those in and out of Christ. Please, Revelation chapter 20, verse 6. Revelation 20, verse 6. Those who are in Jesus Christ will never have to experience death again. And for that, I can say amen. Revelation 20, verse 6. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. See, if you're part of the first resurrection, Scripture tells you, you will not experience the second death. So what does that mean? What are the implications? The implications are that if you are not in Christ, you get to do it a second time. You get to die a second time if you are not in Christ. 
Revelation chapter 20, verse 14. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. Well, I, you know, I, I hear it, and I, I've addressed it before, but I'm going to tell you, because someone just asked me a question. I just heard you. I just heard you. How are people going to burn in hell forever? How can you burn forever? How can you burn forever and ever and ever and ever? Well, uh, there's a word uh, that, it, uh, that, used, that is used here in Revelation to speak of the people who will burn in hell. Wait a minute. Aren't we talking about, oh, let's celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? This is good. This is true. And it must happen. It needed to happen, right? But the word it uses concerning people who, who will burn is the word asbestos. You know what the word asbestos means? What, is, what, is, what do they use asbestos for? They use it to insulate a person from what? Fire. Does it stop them from getting hot? No. Asbestos don't stop you from getting hot. It just protects you from burning up all the way. So the people who will end up in hell will burn and burn and burn and burn and burn and burn, baby, burn. They will experience extreme heat into eternity. But God has made a way. God has made a way that you don't have to burn, that you can receive the resurrection of Jesus Christ for yourself today, that you don't have to wait for an accident to take your life and you end up in hell. Today can be your day of life. Augustine states, then they who are destined to die need not be careful to inquire what death they are to die. But, into what place death will usher them. In other words, don't be concerned about whether you're going to die. Be concerned with where you're going to end up after you die. That's the way Augustine should have said it, but he's a little bit more learned than me. So what do we do for now? Simple as this. The resurrection must be practiced. The resurrection must be practiced. Well, how can I practice coming up from the dead. How is it possible to practice the resurrection unless we do what Christ has done and be crucified and die and then come up from the dead? Well, we practice the resurrection by living like death is in the past. We practice the resurrection by living like death is in the past. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. The context of here, uh, here in 1 Corinthians 15 is of the true nature of the resurrection. So what we do is live as if death has already happened. We live by being faithful in all we do while glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we cannot leave out the fact that we must tell others about the resurrected Savior. If you know the Savior, why would you not tell someone else about the Savior? If you live, why would you not want someone else to live? Yes, it is true that God has a high standard for living, but true living always starts and ends with Jesus Christ. Scripture tells us that your labor in the Lord, your practicing of the resurrection from day to day, 
that it will not be in vain. So the resurrection represents these four things for us. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. One, it represents the power of God. Jesus sets himself apart from all others through his resurrection. The power of God, number one. Two, the divinity of Jesus. Three, confidence for all his disciples. And then four, hope for all those who've long awaited this answer. The power of God, the divinity of Jesus, confidence for all his disciples, and hope for those who waited for this answer today.